Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 84. It's our Game of the Year podcast for 2017. We're going to be talking about our favorite games of the last year. Uh, as always, I'm with Jordan. Cody. And Dom. Here I begin the mutiny that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe does not count in this conversation. I don't think any of it. I'm I'm for that. It's yeah, a remaster, a port. <laughs> yeah, you're no you're, you're amongst here, friends. Dom. <laughs> um, so let's talk himself a regular Poe Dameron over here. Right. Uh, let's nah, talk about what we uh, <laughs> what we've been playing. Uh, first off, non gaming stuff. I watched Iron Man. Um, holds yeah. up as much as I remember it holding up. I'm doing the whole. I'm a little. I'm a couple of weeks behind, but I'm starting up the watch a Marvel movie every week until uh, Infinity War thing. Um. Rewatch Iron Man, as great as I remember it being. Don't want to get too caught up on that. Um, as far as what I've been playing, last week I said I would be AC Origins, Doki Doki Literature Club, and Wolfenstein 2. I got close. So I beat AC Origins. Good I really last week, Jared. I know, I know. I really <laughs> like the end of that game and the way they set up the future of Assassin's Creed. And I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't played sure. the game. Um, in in some of the best ways of Assassin's Creed, I, I talked about before how this game didn't really feel Assassin's Creed to me, and I still feel that way. But the ending, I think they nailed it of, you know, the whole part of Assassin's Creed is taking this weird, like, sci-fi made-up reality of actual historical events, and they tied it in really nice. Once again, I don't want to spoil anything uh, for anybody who hasn't played it. But um, finished that game, really enjoyed the ending of that game. Uh, now I'm in New Game Plus, just getting all of the... The synchroni- uh, synchronization points and all that stuff. Um, I beat Doki Loki Literature Club. Insane. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, insane. Lived up to the hype, which I appreciate, especially with games like that where people talk about it and they're like, just go into a blind, play it, and sometimes you know your expectations don't really meet where the game actually ends up. Um, but for that game, it met all my expectations. And uh, Wolfenstein 2, I'm about four hours in. I'm assuming I'm towards the end of the New York section, if you've played the game. Uh, I'm assuming I'm towards the end of that, uh, the beginning part when you first get to New York, but maybe I'm in the middle or something, but it seems like I'm towards the end of that section. Um, loving that game. Cast characters is great. It's exactly what I expected from Wolfenstein 2. I love the first game so much. Um, so, yeah, having a blast with that. Wasn't able to finish it, unfortunately. Just, just wait until you get to New Orleans. New Orleans. they say, New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to get to Roswell, too. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Like I said, I watched Iron Man. I played those games. Nothing else I can think of. Oh, um, you guys remember that indie game I bought on Switch called The End is Nigh? Who's for, that's from the, the Super Meat Boy creators. I don't know if I remember talking about it. Yeah. Been playing through that game, too. It's getting a little obtuse as far as like what I'm supposed to do, so I'm kind of falling out of it. But I do en- like I do enjoy the beginning levels of it. It just as the game progresses, it becomes more and more obtuse to where I don't really feel the hook or need to continue playing it. If that makes sense, um, I think for the kind of gimmick they were going for, and I, I hate to use gimmick because that's like a negative word, but the kind of like gameplay they were going for, I wish they would have either paced it differently or uh, maybe made it shorter because it's kind of losing me now, you know. Um, but still an interesting game nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me as far as I can't think of anything. I think last week I talked about watching the end of the effing world. So I'm pretty sure that yeah. was last week. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much everything for me. What about you guys? I played more Kingdom Hearts. Hell yeah. Did Atta you beat boy. it? Uh, beat the Tarzan world. <laughs> <laughs> very early. I'm off. So, yeah. no, yeah, I'm still very early on. Um, <clears throat> talked about that plenty last week. 
But I also, and here's the here's the surprise one this week, I played Battlefront 2. I saw that, no, yeah. No reaction out of anyone. Okay. Oh, that's um, fine. <laughs> it's whatever, man. Play the games you want to play. Um, whatever. Yeah, I grabbed it out of Redbox. Uh, they sent me a bunch of happy birthday rent a game for a night for free codes. So, shoot. What better game to rent for a night, you know, play the campaign and pretty much be done with? Um, didn't finish the campaign. <laughs> Got, uh, maybe about two hours into it. Um, so I have to go grab it again to finish it up. But, I mean, I don't know. it looks really, really good visually. It looks fantastic. It's a pretty game, man. It's <laughs> I played on the cutscenes. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like multiplayer because I played it through EA Access. Like the multiplayer looks very pretty. There was actually a conversation talking about like what game should try to implement a battle royale mode. And like as much as it pains me is like you know the whole loot box stuff in that game, but like having a battle royale mode in like a Star Wars universe would be awesome. It'd be super cool. Yeah. But yeah. But otherwise, so far the, I mean, the gameplay is kind of I don't know, generic shooter. I guess the space stuff is pretty cool when you're flying around in a Tie Fighter, um, though it gets a bit repetitive pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. When they're like, "All right, let's do a sh- the mission in a Tie Fighter." Okay, finish that mission. Yeah. Okay, let's do a nearly identical mission in a Tie Fighter. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's really what it is, and like. Oh, uh, you know, people are arguing on your radio about what you need to do, and it's like, okay, so you shoot those couple things in space, and then new argument, new thing to shoot. I don't know. It's just kind of, eh. It's not bad, you know. It's just yeah, not good. Uh, That's my <laughs> yeah, issue so. with the but, the game's campaign. It's just very middle of the road, very lukewarm. No one's gonna say it's a terrible campaign, but nobody's gonna be like oh this was awesome man what a great star wars experience yeah and yeah and i do have to finish it still and i will i'll, I'll see it through since it's so short so same the, the thing too is like i don't like flight levels in any game much less like the tie Ooh. fighter thing doesn't do anything for me like i i've strongly despised like flight simulators and stuff just healing back the layers of the onion that is Jared. Yeah, I don't like flight simulators, which is funny because my best friend, that's like his jam, dude. Like, he's waiting for Ace Combat 7. Like, he's like, I can't wait to pre-order it. I want that game so damn bad. And I'm like, no. You know? Is this the same dude that jams Avenged Sevenfold in Kingdom Hearts? Uh, no, no, no. Different friend. Man. Different friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot I told you guys about that's that. Yeah, it. I just used to jam... Uh, Finish them, fold and play. He used to play like, Tales of whatever the hell, Vesperia. Oh, Tales, that's what it yeah. was. Yeah, it was yeah. a JRPG. Yeah. He probably played Kingdom Hearts 2 while jamming Avenged them. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Jordan? Uh, I've been playing a boatload of Neo. Um, a boatload? A boatload full of it. Um, so, yeah, played more than 20 hours when it came out uh, early last year. And as you guys probably remember, specifically on PlayStation, um, there were just so many games, and also specifically from Japan. Can those first two uh, months? Jesus. Yeah, well, first, I mean, even up until, like, May, even until the summer, I would say, there were just constant... Correct me if I'm wrong, it was, what, Nier Automata, Neo, and Gravity Rush 2 that all came out in the span of, like, three weeks, right, at the beginning of the year? Yakuza. Yes, yes. yes. And Yakuza as well, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, is anytime you try to figure out what it was, there's also a couple that you just don't even think (laughs) of. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, got back to Neo, 
Um, as you guys know, love, love Bloodborne, and this is uh, very, very similar to Bloodborne to the point where it's even like when, um, what was it, Blue Hole was complaining about uh, Fortnite Battle Royale being possible plagiarism. I was like, well, From Software could totally pull that shit on uh, Team Ninja and Tecmo Koei way quicker because there's stuff in there that is just pulled straight from, like, picking up items is the exact same, but it's a yellow color instead of uh, whatever it was in, in Bloodborne, blue or purple, something like that. Anyways. Do you think, well, there's... it's close, but I think the one thing they didn't even do or didn't even attempt is the connected world, right? Because it's individual like levels you hop into. I think that's the one thing that sets yes. it apart. Yes, but uh, Bloodborne's still kind of split into levels in the way that, like, where the lampposts are, so that you know when it's kind of like starting and beginning and also obviously where the bosses are. And yeah, so I guess I'm pulling my experience that, from like Dark Souls. I didn't play Bloodborne, so maybe it is different. Right. So, yeah. so Jared, actually that's a good, we can have this uh, uh, discussion some other time, but that's the, to me like one of the problems with the later Dark Souls games and Bloodborne is you can basically fast travel as you please to every which place, so it kind of feels more like you're world hopping, whereas the original Dark Souls pretty much can't fast travel a little bit later on, but you are relying more on the interconnected world to travel yeah. more, so... Yeah. But then on the opposite end of that, you have to argue, like, well, it does actually make it more appealing for the casual gamer, though, right? Well, you know, right. I hate to use that word yeah. like that. It's not. I'm not trying to be demeaning, but, like, the fast travel actually yeah. helps people who don't want to have to slug through going all the way through the world. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. You're good. It's just, like, in between the lampposts, the way levels play out is very similar. I mean, there's shortcuts just like Bloodborne. There's... Um, the way, you know, like, enemies will jump out of treasure chests or jump on your head from um, when you walk into a room, areas that you can't see, stuff like that. I mean, there's, I, the list could go on and on and on of stuff that is down to the uh, the smallest point exactly like Bloodborne. So I, I was surprised, but also uh, it's pleasing in some sense because of how much I like Bloodborne, and then this is kind of, like I said before, I don't love the two-word game description, like uh, Skyrim with guns or whatever, but that's <laughs> kind of what we have here. Like, uh, you know, this is basically Samurai Bloodborne. So, um, uh, the biggest issue I have with Neo is very similar to what I was talking about with I Am Setsuna not too long ago, where um, there's just a lot of parts of the game that are uh, overly or needlessly convoluted and complicated. Um, uh, what was the word that you used? Obtuse, Jared. Um, yeah, and there's just a lot of stuff that, um, in some ways I can appreciate the depth, but then in other ways it just uh, may go one or two steps too far that I'm like, I don't necessarily need this part. And it's just another stat to keep up with, or another like tutorial that I need to have remembered, remembered to uh, be able to properly you know, execute these tasks or whatever. Um, and a, a good example of that is like in the menu when you go into the blacksmith, which is where you do a lot of different like character stuff. Um, like uh, the way things are labeled is just like soul matching is where you take uh, one piece of equipment and then you add another piece of equipment that will be lost in the process um, to end up leveling up that first piece of equipment. And I get where they're going with the name Soul Match, but it really just needs to be, like, equipment upgrades or whatever. You know, stuff like that, so you don't have to remember these um, four or five different uh, 
buttons that you can click on when you walk in there. It's just like, okay, what do I want to do here? Wait, what was that called again? Oh yeah, they call it soul matching in this game, so that's where I'm supposed to go. Um, there's just several things like that that are just unnecessarily convoluted, and, and that kind of uh, permeates itself throughout the game, unfortunately. But um, either way, I think people that are big fans of Bloodborne or Dark Souls will be used to a certain level of uh, complicated game mechanics. And so um, I think that you know most of the people that will be playing this game or want to go deep into this game will be able to to handle some of that stuff. The biggest thing is it just makes it way too difficult to hop back in if you've gone away for more than, you know, a week or two weeks, uh, because then you have to remember all this crap that is, um, that is in there that could be, I think, a lot simpler if there were just, uh, some small changes made, but, um, it, it just kind of sucks that that's the case because there's so many great things about it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, most of the great things about it uh, have already been said by others and me about Bloodborne. So if you know why I like Bloodborne so much, you know why I like Neo for the most part. Um, so I guess that's its other biggest flaw is that it's just so much like Bloodborne uh, with a couple things added. Um, there's nothing really different than it about Bloodborne, they just added other things that Bloodborne didn't have. Um, so, um, I really like it though, the combat is great, obviously, like I said, these are just things that have been said about Bloodborne. It's got the dash button, which you know makes me uh, like a game a little bit more, even though if it's a piece of trash. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very into Japanese culture, and, and specifically the story that it's telling within um, ancient Japan and, uh, the ninja and samurai thing, the different families and their houses. And, um, I do like that fact is that it has an actual story going with real cutscenes, and it isn't all, uh, esoteric in that sense, like, uh, Bloodborne or Dark Souls is. So, um, yeah, love Neo. That's why it's going to be really high on my list when we do, uh, game of the year here in a second. And, um, I'm very excited to see where they take that series because those are the t the type of complaints that I had were things that could certainly be tightened up in a future um, installment in the franchise, and I think that it was, uh, you know, it didn't set the world on fire, but I do think it was um, a decent surprise in how well it did, so I could see us getting a sequel. Um, hopefully we'll get Bloodborne 2 before we get Neo 2, but at this point it's looking like who the fuck knows if the shadows die twice as a Bloodborne, then we may be out on our ass. So, um, not that that wouldn't be a cool game in its own right, but it could be preventing us from uh, the glory that might be Bloodborne 2. So, um, let's see. I played a little bit of. Um, oh, Destiny 2. I jumped back in for just a little bit because I need to finish out that story. And. Um, yeah, I mean, the a lot of the complaints that have been thrown at that, especially towards the end of last year, um, you know, just don't necessarily affect me because I'm not playing too much uh, multiplayer, even though I will say I enjoyed the Crucible. The 4-on-4 made it a lot more accessible and just enjoyable, in my opinion. Um, so I've got mostly nice things to say about Destiny, even though I do think it's relatively basic and a, definitely a relatively basic upgrade from the original Destiny. So... Um, I wouldn't say, I don't necessarily think that it, uh, 
earns the right to be a sequel. I do think it could have been just more upgrades, especially when they were originally saying that this game, Destiny, was going to be supported for 10 years. So that's whatever, because I'm not a, a super fan, so I'm not super butthurt on that. But uh, Destiny 2 is a cool game, and I'm enjoying it. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, I guess now we'll be hopping into our Game of the Year uh, discussions. We're not going to be doing the normal thing where we talk about news and then we hop into a topic. I just assumed we are going to be talking for a bit about our own Game of the Year lists, so I don't want the podcast to run too long. Um, Dom, you're going to be going first, letting us know what your top five games of the year were last year. Uh, you can do it top to bottom, bottom to top, however you want. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, and i got to actually pull the list up here because I'm <laughs> have it in a message to you. <laughs> Da, 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 da. I have the list here in front of me. I could tell you, and you could just riff off of that if you want. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's what's my my lowest one? Uh, your number five is Hellblade. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, this game is fucking awesome. It's absolutely superb. Um, I think out of everything that came out this year, actually, there were a lot of innovative games that came out this year. But I think this game in particular, <laughs> the most definitely the most innovative sound design as far as I'm aware of, ever in a game, just ever. Um, at least in, you know, modern games, I guess. I don't know, but um, it, to me, a lot of people would say, like, the open world in Zelda was so innovative and so new, like, and a lot of people would say Yum. it wasn't either. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> innovative for five years ago, that's for sure. Sure, yeah, so that, that's at least the more controversial, but I think if you play this game, you wouldn't really be able to argue against how new and creative and game-changing the sound design is uh, in this game so that's to me like that's like cool that it's it literally did something so new and different um and it worked it worked really damn well at least if you play with headphones on i'm not sure how your mileage will vary without headphones i guess but um so yeah and everything else uh was still at least up to par you know the gameplay i some people say it got repetitive but i really liked it the, the combat was still super satisfying you know it felt good um when you landed a hit um, and it was a bit more strategic and, and slower than uh, you know than like a, most of your third person action games. So and the story was pretty cool too. And and then uh, Jordan, I'm sorry, but yeah, I dealt with mental health and different things like that in a cool way. So. <laughs> You've already had one time you talked about it where you didn't mention it, and I I appreciated <laughs> that. So I'm cool with it. I mean, it, it deserves to be mentioned. It's just that that it's. I am upset that so many people can't mention this game without talking about that, or that this—that's really the only compliment they have for the game, you know. And it, and that, well, and that does play into what I talked about with the sound design, right? So that's a sure, you know, as you can you can probably guess just by that sentence, you know, what kind of stuff it does. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. I, I, and this is like a thirty-dollar, you know, indie game, really. So I think the team yeah. is really small that made it, and it's super impressive what they were able to do. So. This definitely Doesn't look like one though. It looks triple A is all fuck. Um, yeah. Like graphically and, and gameplay wise, it's like it looks good. It's it's fucking cool. Um, so yeah, this had to also, make, this had to make the list. Also, shout out to the game diaries. Like more teams need to do that stuff. It was super. Oh, interesting. the dev diaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Taking yeah. through the whole process. I love it. Uh, number four on your list: um, South Park Fractured but Whole. Yeah. So this one I also finished up recently. Um, you know what? You might, if you were to accuse me of kind of what have you done for me lately or something like that, of, you know, <laughs> a lot of games on my list are the ones I played, you know, later in the year. Um, you, you might have an argument there, but I, I don't know. 
I think I was, I'm still being objective because South Park was just, I don't know, it was good, man. Um, I think the combat was a huge improvement over Six Truth. Um, and everything else was, you know, the same, right? Um, this is like playing a season of South Park, like interactive South Park, and it's absolutely superb. With the improved combat, um, this was just a no-brainer for me. I mean, I love the show, um, and this this game does everything, you know, that you like about the show. So, And the ending, I especially liked. Um, it's you, I could see where a lot of people hate it, but if you're truly a fan of South Park, then you love this ending. So, yeah. Also, this uh, was going to make the list no matter what. Not that you said this, Dom, but uh, or said it this way, but a lot of people have said, um, yeah, it is, it's just an interactive season of South Park, you know, like it does feel very much like the show or very South Parky, I guess. But um, I can think of so many properties that I would just love to have, you know, especially TV properties. Like, I would just love to have an interactive season of this property. So, yeah, um, you know, looking at games like The Legend of Korra, which are pretty fucking butt. I would say that, uh, you know, count your lucky stars, you know, man, like... That this existing is South as good Park as it fan, is? Yeah. Yeah, like, don't just... I, and that is a big issue that I have with people talking shit on this game, is that they're just like, um, whether they're lapsed South Park fans or big South Park fans, they're just not that excited about that aspect of it, and and yeah, like I said, there's just so many things that I can think of, like, oh my god, I would kill to have an interactive season of the legend of Korra that isn't garbage, you know? So yeah, for me, it'd be future. Oh, the one like, Oh baby. Mm, that could be interesting. <laughs> I will say though, I have to point out because I, I feel like I've heard a, an, a, enough people say, yeah, you, as long as you like the show, you don't really have to be current on it. You can still play the game and it'd be great. I'll actually dispute that. Um, cause I, I had watched the last two seasons of South park, uh, the two newest ones before playing this game. And there's a lot of jokes that, I mean, a lot of it is satire, you know, of what's going on in the world, but there are a lot of South Park-specific things that just wouldn't be as funny if you didn't understand it. Um, think of the member berries. You might be able to figure out, like, okay, I see what they're doing with these berries, but w- you know what I mean? It makes yeah, more sense having the seen teeth. the show. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, I don't know that much about it, but the uh, premise of the game itself, like them dressing up as superheroes, is from a specific episode, isn't it? Yeah, they like there's a the couple or whatever. Yeah, there's a few episodes at least I think where they did that, but that in itself, um, you wouldn't really need the context there because um, you can kind of see what they're doing with the coon and Cartman. Like, okay, he's trying to be like a Batman type thing, right? If um, you're familiar you with like superhero movies, I think you're good. Yeah, with the sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will. I think it would add a good amount if you watch at least the recent few seasons uh, before playing the games. Just had to say that. Uh, next up on your list, Wolfenstein 2 coming in at number three. Wolfenstein. Yes. yes. So don't spoil this for the me. Coolest... Oh, that's <laughs> right. Shit. Yeah. That's right. You haven't. Okay. Um, I've talked about it a lot before, but in, it's always what comes up is the characters in this game are just fantastic. They're you know hilarious or like cool or just badass. Like every like extreme positive, you know. Uh, attribute you can think of there's a character that has it in this game um the the main villain uh is absolutely like terrifying it it gave me kind of a kind of like a far cry type villain vibe from her she's super psychotic and just needlessly fucking nuts um in a real scary kind of way so 
all the characters are just fantastic. And then what they do, um, they kind of give you some context and some uh, insight into BJ and his uh, his childhood and some stuff there, which is super, super well done. Um, and then the gameplay is is absolutely thrilling too. Like it's it's what I kind of just complain about Battlefront Two. This is the opposite. Where at its core, it's like well, you're running around and shooting things, right? But something about it, um, you know, the giant robots. Um, there's one level in particular where you get to. I won't even say it because I won't spoil it for you, Jared. I just want you to come upon it, and it's it, it's kind of like something uh, that I remember Gears of War did, where it just makes you it turns you into an enormous badass, and it's super fun. Um, in a game that's otherwise, you know, not the easiest, but, you know, takes some skill. They reward you in, in the gameplay at some point, which was cool. So, yeah, everything about it was just, I mean, as far as first-person shooters, this is, to me, this is like, this is what everyone else should strive to be. Um, Great villain, for, At too. least for... Only four yeah, hours exactly. in. I, I hate the villain, and you got me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this is what, like, other shooters should strive to be, especially, I mean, like, you know, single player uh, narrative experiences should should strive to be like this in a lot of ways so yeah absolutely fantastic game well, the great thing too dumb is like so machine games came out with a new order and everyone was liked it right some people had gripes at the beginning of the game but people loved it and they were wondering like can machine games follow that up with the sequel that delivers on that and more and so far with my four hours it seems like it has and with you it seems like obviously it has it- uh, it's better somehow, yeah. Yeah, and this gets me excited for Id's next uh, shot at Doom when we get Doom 2 because that game was so good its first time around. I'm excited to see what happens with the sequel, which hopefully we we get a reveal at E3 or something. But I, I, I agree with you that like this is the gold standard now, in my opinion, as well, when it comes to first-person single-player campaigns. Um, Wolfenstein as a, as a franchise, to me, is like the gold standard. Um so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it as high as it is on your list. It would have been high on my list, too, like I said, if I finished it. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad to see it at three. For frankly, you. We, don't get, we don't get this. Think of that. This is actually a really rare game nowadays. It's There's no multiplayer component. Um, yep. It's Even just, Doom had multiplayer. Single... So. Yeah, and, and, and you could see yeah, Doom was the closest to this in that it's pretty much a single-player shooter game. Yeah. Um, you can get some stuff like like Prey or you know other first person single player games, but they're generally bigger in uh, in gameplay, I guess. You know, like RPG elements or things like that. But this is kind of a rare type of game that you know we don't see very often out of AAA studios anymore. So I definitely want to put you know my weight behind it. You know, half a pound or whatever. So number two, you talked about it earlier when you were uh, talking about uh, Hellblade, I believe. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah, uh, this this had to get had to get some love for me. So, um, the the best thing about this game—it's been a while since I've talked about it. Actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need you to, to represent like, it, Dom. <laughs> the best thing to me for like about this game was um, it's super practical. I don't know if that's the best word, but it just kind of it gives you the rules and it gives you some tools and you can you just have like some kind of freedom that it's hard to explain but it really hasn't at least that i've you know experienced hasn't happened in other games it's kind of it reminds me of portal in that sense um but with less i mean it reminds me of portal of course in the way of the shrines and the puzzles but also in an unstructured in an unstructured way outside of the the shrines um where the tools you have the although limited like the couple of abilities and you know items you have 
just work with the world exactly how you think they would. Um, it's, that's, that's probably the best way I can put it, is that this game communicates with people better than any other game I think I've played. So if you guys remember when we first talked about Cuphead and Jordan was like, well, I, I don't know, I thought I was supposed to go this way first, and because I went, I did that, I missed out on this shop where I bought the wrong coins. I can't remember, but basically the game the game was communicating and it didn't Jordan didn't get, didn't get the message that that Jared got, right? Whereas in Breath of the Wild, I feel like I mean, I'm only one person, but it seems a lot of people like they get the message. Like they see like, "Oh, it's it's raining and I have a metal shield and I just got hit by lightning." It's like, "Yeah, oh well, yeah, it makes perfect sense." Or when you get up to a some kind of electric puzzle, you're just like, "I put my metal sword down and it expanded the current thing i don't know it's it's tough to explain but it they did a really good job of making that connection with people i think um uh the story is it's what i don't even that's all i'm gonna say because that's what it is so uh <laughs> but the other thing that this game does um that i th- like better than previous zelda games um for one i actually i like the the degrading weapons myself a lot of people hate that but i like it because it you know it makes it forces you to try new and different types of weapons right whereas in dark souls i always end up you know using the same weapon and upgrading it all the way and i feel like i'm committed to it whereas this is this is like well just chuck it you know and grab this new one and let's see what this is like kind of thing but Don, what i was getting at did you ever get into a situation where you uh had exhausted your weapons and you were in a boss fight and you really kind of either had to quit out and go find more weapons or limp your way to the end of the boss fight? There was one where I came close. I got down to, like, the last two swords or something, and I was yeah. worried. I was like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? But uh, That'll make you hate weapon degradation pretty fucking quick. Yeah, and you're, maybe like, I was lucky. you're, stuck in a situation, and you're like, well, I've, you know, it's not like I just sat here and beat my sword against a rock. I wasn't trying to break it down, but it just happened. See, there was one for me that one of those shrines where it's a it's a fight right and and i like after the first try i was like it, i was way too underpowered to hit that guy yeah. so that's i could see where you're gonna you get stuck in that situation where you actually learn the pattern and how to fight him and you can survive and dodge all his moves but you don't have enough weapons to actually get his health part down but yeah. i i didn't even pursue it i was like i'm just gonna you know leave this one and come back later when i have higher level weapons so i that was actually a, overpowered. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to it, but I appreciated like this was something different, right? Like it's a change of pace. I still like the you know the kind of single weapon type systems or you know lack of degradation in other games, but this was different and cool, and I, I liked it in this game. But in general, though, what I was um, the last thing I was going to say is the combat in this game is it's hard as shit. It's really hard, which is extremely uncharacteristic of a Zelda game. So. That I definitely appreciated. It makes a, it makes all the exploration, the cooking, um, the rewards for the shrines, and you know finding new weapons. It makes it all like mean something when the you know all of a sudden the combat is actually difficult. Whereas in other Zelda games, all the collectibles, you know, expanding your backpack and you know upgrading everything was kind of like absolutely meaningless because the it was every enemy was just a, a walk in the park. So um, yeah, there's a lot I could say about this game, but. I I was into it, so um, didn't didn't so, win for me. Still have a number one to get to, but but I did enjoy the shit out of this, and it's a mobile game, so I got to throw that out there. So uh, since it's on your list, Portable. I'll go ahead and talk about it now. 
Um, Breath of the Wild is a game for me that absolutely should be in my top 10 and honestly very high up there because I've played it so much and enjoyed um, the parts that I enjoyed so much. Um, but the game's faults, in my opinion, drag it so far down, um, literally so far down out of my top 10 list, but also just so far down in the context of the game itself. <clears throat> because, yeah, obviously we've talked about we weapon degradation, I'll get there first. It's basically just comes down to it not being fun for me. It's It takes away the fun aspect, and um, I think there's other probably better ways to... Um, push players out of uh, getting stuck in a rut with a single weapon or uh, character builds, you know, like uh, armor and stuff, um, than this. It's basically just obnoxious as shit to me, um, and it's constantly getting in the way. I just gave an example in the, uh, the first, um, um, what are they called? Something Beast, what are they called? Um, Divine. Unho Divine Beast, I was about to say Unholy Beasts. Um, the first Divine Beast boss battle, um, where my bows are breaking and I'm being, uh, you know, ferried around the beast and having to shoot uh, um, these, like, ice blocks out of the air. Um, and some of them you can hit with your sword, but some of them you can't. They're just going to hurt you. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of situations where, or like when I'm getting clearly some of the best weapons in the game, and within 20 minutes of gameplay, they're gone. Um, and I worked hard to get them, and I um, enjoyed the um, the way they felt once I started playing with them, but they just got ripped out from under me. Um, and especially when you build a game into more of an RPG than uh, Zelda ever has been before, um, that goes in complete contrast uh, with the weapon degradation system. There's nothing... Other than what Dom said, which is that it gets you to, to uh, use more weapons than you might have originally, which, like I said, I think I can think of better ways to do that. Um, I cannot see any pluses, any positives in favor of that system, just personally from my own perspective. So that tore the game out of my uh, top ten. But then, yeah, there's the other stuff like Dom was mentioning. Like, it's a lot of people, I, I think this is the rose-tinted Nintendo glasses, but... Um, it's just not that innovative and just because you can climb every wall doesn't make it a better game um, in a lot of sense it's um, you know the climbing is just really slow and monotonous once you've done it for so many hours throughout the game and um, the fact that the the map itself is built around that like there's certain places that you're not just going to be able to like run around to the base of a hill and start climbing like you have to just or start running up you have to climb from the bottom and and then you're like adding, you know, you're eating stuff to make sure that your stamina gets gets pushed farther, or you're putting on equipment to push your stamina farther, and it's just like, I don't know why that needed to be the case. Um, the world, as Jared and I have bounced back and forth on so many times, is is vapid as all hell, in my opinion, for especially for an open world. They sacrificed, in my opinion, uh, the size of the world they wanted to make bigger, um, in favor of actually making a world that was a little bit smaller, but, uh, you know, not even chocked full, but just, um, healthily full of, uh, you know, interesting things to do that aren't just, uh, hunting or cooking, you know, gathering cooking materials. So, um, a good, a better example of that, of course, would be Horizon Zero Dawn, in my opinion. So, 
Um, there's a lot of great things. Oh, and then real quick, I just want to say, you know, I can totally get down if a game doesn't want to be about its story and just wants to go all in on gameplay. I'm cool with that. But for Nintendo to finally bring in voice acting and then do it so half-assed, like I've talked about before, where most of the cutscenes aren't voiced, there's only a select few that are, and um, from a lot of accounts, there's some, some really poor voice acting, at least on the English front. Um, I just could not believe that they would, after all these years and all these people begging for them to put some other voice acting than just zap, 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 you know, whatever has been in the Zelda in the past, <laughs> um, for them to do it so half-assed like that, I think they really dropped the ball. And that, you know, I, I agree on that the story for sure. As a whole, that's weird. Yeah, so uh, that that becomes a part of the story. Sorry, Jared. I was just gonna say because uh, I wanted to hop in with the the, the Breath of the Wild stuff real quick too. My own, like, one of my biggest gripes is that weapon degradation, though I do think is interesting, I understand where you're coming from with that perspective, Dom. I think, for me personally, it eliminated any interest in opening a chest in the game. Because, like, I'm like, cool, I'm going to get something that's going to be with me for a little bit of time. Like, there was no reason for me to get excited about any new item I got because I knew it was fleeting at the very best, you know what I mean? Like, I, that kind of made shrines have, like, that's part of the reasons I don't even really like shrines either, either, uh, either, either, um, because obviously <laughs> you would get the orbs at the end that you could use to upgrade your health and your stamina and stuff, but, like, there would be those chests at the end, and normally you'd think, like, oh, yeah, you're doing this, like, puzzle thing at the end, you're going to be opening a chest, what are you getting? I'm like, cool, I got an item that I could use a couple of times, like, it doesn't really matter to me, like, it was meaningless. Right. See, that's personally. interesting, because, like, I got so much, like, kind of the reverse, where, um, in a lot of games, uh, like, I'm gonna keep going back to Dark Souls, where like you you know go through whatever it is and you find a find an item and it's like, oh well this is already it's already crap. I'm not gonna ever use this and you end up with an inventory full of crap and it's like well I already found the you know the one weapon that I'm gonna use the whole time. It's like well, you know see what I'm saying? But so they're still useful because in a situation like that you find crap in Dark Souls and maybe you're overpowered for it. Maybe um, it's just not doesn't fit your style or whatever. But you can still in you know tons of different games like this you can either break it down for materials or sell it at a shop and it has a value even though it's not the initial value that you would expect from a weapon also it depends on your playstyle as well right and just sure. I, I think too you could make an argument that the dark soul system is wrong but that doesn't mean because that is wrong the legend uh, legends of the breath of the wild system is correct. yeah um, that's my my ultimate point was kind of neither is really i don't in my opinion you know, for my playstyles or whatever, neither is really better than the other. They're just different. It's just yeah, a different way right. to it just, go about it. And I, I like both, and I like doing something new, and so, I guess. so. The reason I dislike the game so much, I think, is because for a game centered around the tools at your disposal, uh, the game is a sandbox for me that's full of tools that I don't want to use because the world isn't interesting. And though the tools are cool and everything, like... If you're going to base a game solely around the weapons I have at that current moment and the tools at my disposal, but yet you make everything fleeting and and it, it, it just doesn't seem like anything is with me. Like, when I found out that the Master Sword could break, that completely eliminated any RP for me personally in, in that game. Yeah, that breaks my head. I don't, I'm like, I don't get it. Wait, 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 wait. The Master Sword doesn't break? Yeah, it does. Are you sure? I thought it just loses power. Uh, no, it like can break. While. Really? I mean, but that's yeah. that's for all intents and purposes, that's it's breaking if it loses power. Why is it even fucking called the Master Sword if it can lose power? And maybe I misconstrued. Maybe it is that it powers less. But I could I could remember hearing that it broke. I could be wrong about that. Either way, for me, it's like now. when you get the, when you obtain the Master Sword in a Zelda game. That's 
for me that's the like the hero moment like the the op moment in like an rpg right where you're so over leveled that you can just new game plus essentially and for me hearing that like powers down and stuff i'm like that doesn't make sense to me it's just i think they had to do that so it fit in relatively with the rest of the way their weapons worked of like well if we have all these weapons breaking we can't yeah. just have the master sword blp and to me i'm like well then you kind of lose the whole point of the legend of zelda in my opinion because like the master sword is his is his you know his trump card you know I don't know. It just it felt weird to me. Um, Breath of the Wild is a game. I feel like Jordan Two. As much time as I put into it, should be a game that's in my top ten or something. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like the, the the gripe, all the gripes I have for it, super outweigh the fun I had with it. Um, and especially when there's such high highs, man. There's parts of that game that I fucking adore. Yeah, I think for me it's it's peaks and valleys with Zelda. Whereas a lot of the other games on my list, there's little divots, but nothing gets right. too high. I mean, nothing gets too low. Whereas this is like up. And then way down, and then you know what I mean? Peaks and valleys. Right, yeah. The complaints I had with Neo are pretty severe, in my opinion, and yet they're valleys that are nowhere near as deep as Zelda. Quick yeah. question, Dom. I was thinking about how your your swords break, your bows break, and which uh, bows breaking, it's like they're not even getting hit by anything. What is the wind breaking them <laughs> down all of a sudden? Strings but, getting uh, worn out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, and your shields break, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that makes sense because they're actually getting hit, and some of them are wood. Yeah. That can make sense, and that's another thing. Like maybe it would be cool if wooden stuff broke, but why are my metal things breaking? You know, I could see them losing um, dullness yeah. and like losing power. Where you have to go to like a a blacksmith to sharpen your weapons right. again. But like, yeah, if it's not stone or wood, why is it breaking? <laughs> you yeah. know. But yeah. my question is, why doesn't armor break? Because it's that aesthetic point, yeah. and it's supposed to look good. Yeah. I'm, but I'm it, joking. It, it, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, there is inconsistency. Sure, but it changes your defensive not, stats, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just... I'm not a huge Zelda guy. I loved A Link Between Worlds. I loved Wind Waker. And this game is like... I think... Uh, it's tough for me. Because I, I think we all come from a realm where we've played a lot of open world games. And for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild... It went too far in the direction of trying to be a Western open world game, and it didn't give me anything oh, yeah. I expected from like an actual Zelda game. It's very weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do uh, you, you want to move on to your number one, Jordan? Uh, Dom, sorry. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it's Jordan. Was, zero Jordan Dom, was talking so long, I for I forgot that it was your list. Uh, but we we <laughs> always have something to say about Breath of the Wild, um, good or bad. Uh, yeah, your number one, is Horizon Zero Dawn, obviously. So. So this game, um, first and foremost, what it did that sets it apart from everything for me, um, like its absolute best quality, is the gameplay. The combat is like ugh, super, super, super satisfying. Um, not only like you know the enemies you're fighting are really cool, but the actual combat itself, like ripping the parts off of them, the different kinds of weapons, which you know it's, it's creative like types of new weapons, like you know a, a rope gun that kind of ties it you know ties each enemy and plants them into the ground and you basically tie it down as if you're hunting what i picture like an elephant or well, actually let's not hunt elephants people are getting i don't know what i'm talking about but <laughs> what i would picture if you were hunting you know a, a, a t-rex like it's you tie this thing yeah. down yeah. and and it's create it's a creative type of way that i don't know i've never seen in a game before and other types of weapons that are fun too but the the tear mechanic specifically just i don't know it just like it set off like some kind of chemical in my brain that it was just satisfying every time a giant plate of armor was torn off a a, 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 a 
anatomy it was like oh that yeah that's good i want more of that right it's just it's kind of a weird visceral satisfaction um and it's it's simple i guess because it's you know find the parts of each enemy that are glowing yellow or glowing blue and you know find those canisters um full of the gas or the the blazes it's called or the the freeze stuff and aim for those you know tear the arm off it's it's kind of you get into a rhythm with it but it's so satisfying the combat man it's it's hard to explain but and then having played through uh the frozen wilds dlc um last month was you know a couple new enemies and it, it reminded me like each new enemy like is introduced at points throughout the game so you know it's not like a i'll say like a kingdom hearts where each you know you go to a new world and you pretty much are fighting the same enemies with a different skin for the most part um i mean there's some exceptions but though i think a lot of games yeah um there's some exceptions to that i don't that's not a blanket but you you see what i'm saying in horizon like at you know certain stages of the game there's entirely different enemy type um that then becomes you know more more frequent so in the frozen wilds there's a couple new ones that get added that are like okay this is this is cool i gotta i need to find a whole new strategy the best way to take these guys down you know what what piece of their armor do i want to aim for etc etc so gameplay was absolutely super satisfying in this game that's what i liked about it the most Um, and then on top of that um it's a new ip but not only is it a new ip but the setting and the story that it you know it put out there just cool as all hell like um maybe like for someone who's super into like every different kind of sci-fi and you know reads every last book and has seen every movie kind of like oh yep this is a classic story about you know robots and this and that and the need for whatever that might be it might seem kind of generic from that from someone like that but to me like the story and the setting was really cool and i really dug how it all played out um and all that but otherwise you know the the questing uh the, the world i mean it's all looks really beautiful but you could draw some similarities to like you know most action rpgs or like far cry or things like that the crafting and some of that isn't totally you know new and innovative so it, it does take a lot of elements from other games in that sense but those couple things the combat and then the you know the setting that kind of really put this game you know above the rest for me so that that's my quick why horizon zero dawn got snubbed this uh, year at every award show <laughs> uh real quick dom i have a question for you do you guys remember last year when we were talking about this game before it came out there was a leak that came out about the story of the game and i told you i read it because i wasn't planning on playing the game it was a leak about what the story would be and i said i would be interested Fucking to see call back jared yeah yeah i would i would be interested Shit. to see if that was the if it was correct right so spoilers for yeah. horizon zero dawn skip ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear it possible i'm just gonna ask spoilers. possible spoilers i'm asking i'm gonna yeah. ask you guys this and you guys tell me if it i'm going based off of what i remember from the post i'm not going verbatim on what was actually written but I, I I remember most of the synopsis. So apparently, from this post, the big twist at the end of the game is that all the humans in this world are actually robots. No, no. Okay, no. Okay. So basically, basically, what the plot said it was actually an interesting plot. It said that all of the humans in this world were actually also robots uh, who were responsible for um, the deaths of all of the humans on this world. And there were no. actually, basically, the plot twist is that the the people in this world are also bad. You know what I'm saying? No. Like they. Cre- I'm so they, glad they... that we didn't. I'm so glad that we didn't hear about that until now, because then you'd be like, yeah. "All right, where's the robot twist?" You know. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, basically, what happens is you the uh, in this story description, Aloy finds out that um, all of the humans are actually robots, are sentient AI, and they were basically. 
um, the the reason why humans disappeared and why everything like overgrew and everything because they didn't really need upkeep with buildings and stuff. But then some kind of weird malfunction happened to where they were kind of reset to where they weren't highly intelligent beings again. It's kind of like they restarted. Mm. And they also created the dinosaurs and stuff, and it kind of went off from there. But the big twist was essentially that all of the humans in this world were robots, including Aloy. So I'm, that's that could be cool, you know. Yeah. I think the the actual story is, is more practical. It makes more sense. But as you explained it, I guess that makes some sense. But I liked I it because it was like super sci-fi and like world-bending yeah. and stuff. But people love yeah. this story, so I'm assuming the, the actual end is cool. Um, Jordan, do you want to touch on this or you want to wait till you hop into your list to talk about it? I'll wait. Okay. So, um. uh, do you, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, You're good. Yeah, so that was Dom's list, his top five games. Now we're going to be hopping into Jordan's top five. Uh, Jordan, do you have your list? Or do you need me to? I do. Okay, cool. I do. It's on your list. Real quick, I just want to say there's several games that I wanted to get to and I feel like might even be on this list if I had gotten to play them more. Um, That's games like Persona 5. um, Even stuff like Mass Effect Andromeda, I didn't get enough of a chance. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, everybody else says. You know, that's not me at all. So Bubsy Strikes um, Back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, there are um, games that I feel like uh, I didn't necessarily... Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a good example of that. Five Star Easy Platinum. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly games. And obviously, no one can play... Um, everything, even um, the professional podcasters that spend half their time talking about how they can't play everything, um, who would probably have more time to play more games if they would shut the fuck up about how they can't play everything because it's part of their job. Anyways, not that that's a major complaint Shots. of mine or anything. Yeah, like, well, you know, we work at this big gaming website, so we're trying really hard to play as much stuff as we possibly can because, you know, that's our jobs, and for one, it's physically impossible to do so, and for two, it would probably be better to have many people with many different uh, perspectives on many different games as opposed to um, just a small group of people with a similar perspective on a smaller amount of games. Anyways, I'm digressing, so... Um, real quick, I want to run through my honorable mentions. I'll just mention them. I won't talk about them. Uh, 2064, Read Only Memories, Destiny 2... Hellblade Send You a Sacrifice, Prey, Pyre, Snipperclips, Zelda Breath of the Wild, What Remains of Edith Finch, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, and those are uh, good examples as far as what may have been on my top 10 if I had got to play it more. Several of those games I played and really enjoyed, but just didn't necessarily get back into enough to justify putting it on the list. So um, shout out to them games, faux show. And then I'll do the same with my uh, 10 through 6 picks, which is Walking Dead Season 3 at 10, Super Hot at 9, Puyo Puyo Tetris, Middle Earth Shadow of Wardor, <laughs> Shadow, Shadow of Wardor. <laughs> there you go. Middle Earth you, Shadow you of Wardor. You win the podcast. There we go. Um, six is Re- Resident Evil 7, and it is Resident Evil, not Resin Evil, as so many people just blow through that name talking on the internet. Resi? Uh, no, just people call it Resin Evil, not Resident Evil, oh. just Resin Evil, like resin, like bow resin. Um, and my brother, <laughs> one time listening to Kind of Funny, was like, so what is Resin Evil? I hear people talk about that game series all the time. I was like, Resin Evil? You fucking idiot. What are you talking about? He's like, no, go back through 
and check it out. And not just kind of funny, but people all over the internet, you know, Podcast Beyond, give uh, name it, and they're probably saying this shit where it's just Resident Evil 7. Yeah, that's a great game. Enunciate, uh, y'all. Resident Evil. Don't want to be Obama's elf. Look that up if you haven't. Um, <laughs> um, so, huh? yeah, moving into the top five. At number five, we're talking about Uncharted Lost Legacy. Now, you guys know I have huh. no issue pointing wow. fingers and poking holes in the old Uncharted games, or really just the modern Naughty Dog games since uh, the pinnacle of that studio, which is, of course, Jack X Combat Racing. And um, Makes me smile this, every time he says it. <laughs> this game is, uh, in my opinion, now that I've finished it, the uh not only my favorite uncharted game but i think the best uncharted game um it it comes obviously after uncharted 4 which i thought had the best uh mechanics specifically the shooting which is a big part of this game and um ended up uh i uh, you know this is tough to to make a call on but i honestly believe that they tweaked it just enough in between uncharted 4 the shooting specifically in between uncharted 4 and lost legacy that it makes it even that much better and finally gets it to the point where i feel like i'm not constantly shooting guys in the head and like their hitbox is all fucked up so i'm just getting pwned um but yeah the the I think the honestly the biggest reason why I think this is my favorite and best Uncharted game is because of the fact that it doesn't overstay its welcome, which so many Uncharted games do. They end up being you know fifteen plus hour adventures where you're doing one of three things for the entire show, and um, like I said, they just overstay their welcome. So this at more of like a six eight hour uh, point is. Um, you know, the story obviously really never gets old in an Uncharted game, and this has um, got it just the way the other games do. They do it really well. Um, but then, you know, you do just enough puzzles to keep them fresh and interesting and enjoyable, most importantly. You do just enough shooting to keep it fresh, interesting, and enjoyable, once again, most importantly. And the same deal with the climbing, um, So, which are, of course, Uncharted's three main uh, pillars, you could say. So, um, with that being said, yeah, the story is a highlight for me because this is a, you know, it's about Chloe and Nadine, but it's really a Chloe story, and um, we get to learn enough about her to where it doesn't feel overbearing, but it does feel like you get enough to, like, feel like you really know the character in a new way that uh, you weren't even expecting, specifically with the way that that character has acted in the past, you're... You see her as being kind of uh, closed off in some ways because she is, uh, you know, going into really tough and scary situations. She has to kind of put some walls up. So, um, so I assume that you had no problems. You, know, you didn't miss Nathan Drake. Nothing against his character, but no, the characters in this and game I are think, great still. Yeah, I think that, and they didn't mess up the characters, but the visuals. I think this game looks better than Uncharted Four. Uncharted Four had some like areas that looked really like pastel and not realistic, which is weird for that series. And this is totally different, where it just totally looks everything's like very close to photorealism and very pretty and crisp. And um, you know that could be I was playing. You know, Uncharted Four came out before the PS4 Pro, and this was obviously on the PS4 Pro for me, so that could be a difference there. But anyways, another thing is I felt like they kind of messed up some of the way the characters looked. 
um, both Nathan and Sully looked like really pale and almost ghastly. Like their skin was like um, almost see-through in some aspects to me. Um, in Uncharted 4, they, and they just didn't look right uh, compared to what I had them as, um, like their image in my mind. And I feel like they totally nailed both Nadine and uh, Chloe in this game and their looks. Um, so yeah, this game is really the complete package. And like I said, the biggest point that, that pushes it over Uncharted, other Uncharted games for me and even uh, the original Last of Us is that it just doesn't have time to overstay its welcome. And it's not that it does anything so much damn different than the other games, but um, they just push on for usually about twice as long. And that makes it uh, a lot less enjoyable for me because it, there is such a small breadth of things that you're doing in the game. So um, probably won't talk about the other it. games for as long, but uh, but I think that's a good um, uh, some good points there on how... Um, you know, I'm usually a lot harder on the Uncharted games than that, so I guess now you can understand my perspective on why I'm a lot less salty about this one. Still doesn't compare to Combat Racing, though. So, number four is Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which, Ooh. you know, in the past year on this podcast, I might have sounded like a uh, quite a hypocrite, because I was talking mad shit on the PS4 Pro. Of course, I play all my PlayStation games on there now, or at-home PlayStation games, and I was talking some mad shit about this game, both two things that I think I said I would never fuck with, and I fuck with them much. <laughs> um, this game, you know, of course, when we got the leak, it was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's rabid versions of all the Mario characters, and it's a fucking strategy game, and... Badass know, Princess man, Peach. <laughs> yeah, like, the key uh, art, it was all just kind of, like, gross. And then you get into it, and it's a really really deep strategy game it's got all the mario charm and and not too much of the rabid bullshit that we're used to the obnoxious shit that they're in yeah (laughs) jared with the comedic timing today man um and uh then just now i watched a euro gamer video about uh some of the more intricate details of how this game came together and and the fact that it wasn't like Nintendo said, hey Ubisoft, we really like the Rabbids, why don't you make a game with uh, them and Mario which is kind of inconceivable when you think about it, so it makes more sense that it was um, this team that had splintered off while they were doing Ghost Recon Wildlands over at Ubisoft and started messing around with this stuff and then brought it to Nintendo, that makes a lot more sense, excuse me, so um, yeah, like I said, deep Deep combat, you know, obviously it doesn't have a fucking story, but that's not uh, paramount for every single game. Um, but then the stuff that it does have, the visuals and the sound effects and the, the music, and the fact that, like I said, the the rabbits aren't uh, overbearing. Um, there's just not a whole lot that I can count against it. Now, it's, I will say the the strategy aspects can be a little bit upsetting because they do go super deep but that they don't necessarily have everything you need um, or everything that you would expect from a deeper strategy game. So that would probably be something that they would be able to fix in a sequel where um, sometimes you just can't see, you know, based on where the camera is or whatever, you just can't see where you're trying to place your character um, or there should be, you know, more info boxes popping up in a certain situation so that you can better 
plan out your choices, but they're just not there. So um, for them to not completely go 100% all the way with the deeper strategy aspects is probably my biggest complaint of the game, but overall a very enjoyable experience, and that's why it's at uh, so high on my list at number four. Man, I do. I want to get to that too now. The, your list so far is like the shit I didn't get to. <laughs> the stuff Dom didn't play presented by Jordan. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, Dom, I, I probably owe you an apology because I think like the last four or five shows I've told you to fuck off or given you a big old fuck you, <laughs> and it's kind of looking like that's the title of this list, so I don't know that I can uh, apologize. <laughs> the when Dom I basically MV just, list. Yeah, just like giving Dom the middle finger is the name of my list. So, um, Number three is a game that I talked about earlier on the show, which is Neo, and um, so I don't need to like re-explain that, but... Uh, you DJ know. Khaled, another one. Like, <laughs> want to get to this too? So you actually, smart. yeah, that's probably where we should go with this uh, this conversation. You haven't played this at all, correct, Dom? Not a touch. Okay, uh, not a touch. And uh, so you you wouldn't say that Bloodborne is at the top of your list for like the Soulsborne games, would you? No. Because like you're a, a big second, from probably. software, big Souls guy, but Bloodborne is not your favorite, which it is for mine of the, you know, trying out Demon and Dark Souls and not really digging their vibe for the same reasons you probably would expect is that they're not fast enough and they don't have a dash button. Um, and so I don't know how you're going to feel. That's going to be uh, kind of a toss up for me, how you're going to feel about Neo. But I definitely, I mean, you love Bloodborne either way, right? I mean, you finished Old Yeah, I, I think it's so. like second on, on the, my, the list. Only the original Dark Souls to me is better. So I appreciate okay. the, the speed of it. So I think I'll like Neo. Yeah, that's that's where you're at. You got the speed of Bloodborne and you have the, the combat feel of Bloodborne where there's all different types of weapons. Unfortunately, that's where the overcomplication comes in because. In Bloodborne, there were different permutations of each weapons, but you didn't have so many. You know, each weapon was very right. complicated, but there were fewer weapons, which some people complain about it not having as many weapons as Dark Souls, but I actually think it's better because the weapons themselves are so deep. Um, but you have that with Neo, except for the fact that you have probably as many weapons as Dark Souls. You have like six, now that they've added with updates and DLC. Um, even more weapon types there's like six or eight weapon types and they're all totally different and then of course i don't know if you know this dom but you have three different stances that you can uh you know be in at any point in time for combat you have a high low and medium stance which do very different yeah, things and heard about this, treat your yeah. stamina like that's what i'm saying this game is fucking deep and in some ways it's like yes i love that depth but then other parts of the depth i'm like yeah you didn't you didn't need to go quite that far, and it gets pretty fucking convoluted. But I, obviously, I think you're sharp enough to figure it out. So um, we'll see how you do with it. But yeah, that combat is is um, really where it's at at the end of the day. The story and cutscenes are cool. The environments and all that are cool. But um, yeah, it gets that Bloodborne combat right. And you know I love that speed. And if it's going to be punishing, cool. But I need to be able to get myself out of those situations, and it allows for that. So... Um, dash button. Neo is fucking dope. Exactly. Give me that dash button. More games need a dash button, that's for sure. Um, Alright, so number two is uh, a game that I guess Jared and I really loved, and I know a lot of people did. That's Super Mario Odyssey. Um, you know, this game's just a fucking blast, is a great way to put it. I think that uh, 
I get where like hardcore Mario fans are coming from that it doesn't necessarily do too much differently and that the cap um, Cappy throwing him around and possessing people yes you are possessing them Nintendo get the fuck over it um, it isn't necessarily something that uh, like revolutionizes the game or anything like that but I just think it switches up the formula enough to, to be fresh and fun and then on top of that you have these amazing worlds to explore with so much you know they're not gigantic but they're so chocked full of uh you know these like little mini puzzles to do where you're trying to find these moons uh, excuse me i do think that there is an overabundance of moons but at the same time it's nice because you never feel like pressured to get all the moons so if well if you're you jared be, like, there's never too many <laughs> right if you want to be jared and get nine or whatever then you can, and there's so much fun things to do for you. And if I don't have like a problem, where guys. You get... <laughs> I don't have a problem. <laughs> if you're more like, more like me, where you want to get hundreds and hundreds and get extra more than you actually need to complete a level, but not necessarily every single one, then you're good to go as well. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the visuals look great for the most part. Um, the Nintendo made some interesting concessions on how to get it to run in both docked and portable mode, but that's what has to be done and i i can respect their decisions on that and then um the music man i mean obviously nintendo knows what's up with music but uh you know one up girl is obviously a great example the one that was with the trailer and, and pauline singing that um but yeah the i think another thing about mario odyssey is just how much of a complete package it really is um it doesn't feel like there's a chunk missing or anything like that um and um I love the game, had a blast with it, have played it for hours and hours and hours, and anticipate doing that even more throughout this year, just kind of picking away at the moons um, as I go. Um, and then the the biggest thing that I have with Super Mario in my head right now is, I know we get the, the Luigi update with the balloon games, but are we going to get some substantial expansion packs? And I think that the Luigi DLC update is more of a uh, push towards yes rather than no when it comes to expansion packs because it shows that they're willing to um, uh, support this game. But this game, unlike Mario Rabbids and Breath of the Wild, didn't have a season pass, so it is a little confusing. But I do think we'll get, uh, some sometime throughout this year, we'll be getting a big, meaty uh, expansion to this guy, and it's going to be fucking awesome. So just barely... Pulling it out, or pulling out the win um, over Mario Odyssey is, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, we talked about peaks and valleys earlier with Jared, and this definitely has some valleys, but they're nowhere near something like, uh, unfortunately, what Zelda was for me. Um, my biggest valley, which I've talked about before, is the fact, and I've, I've better defined it now in my head, I think what it is is uh, the fact that the enemies that you're facing, these giant robots that you're facing, are overpowered. And then instead of Aloy just being at like what you would think is a regular power level, which is, you know, pretty well equipped to to fight these beasts, she's actually underpowered. And so that creates it creates an imbalance in my mind where they're way overpowered, she's way underpowered, or decently over and underpowered. And, um, so that pushes it just a little bit too far, especially, like I said, when you're trying to run away from these guys or get out from under them when they're doing their fucking, you know, football field jumps 
and uh, complete football field jumps, and uh, they're swinging their tails or their wings or their claws this way and that, and you're jumping and diving uh, using the 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 roll button to get out from under them, and you just can't seem to do it. It's like, all right, guys, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do here because this bitch doesn't have a hoverboard, and I don't I don't know what what I'm supposed to do to get out from under this guy. So, <laughs> pardon my French, but uh, anyways, I love this game. Love uh, the atmosphere. Um, like I've said before, I feel like this game could be called Horizon Breath of the Wild. And Zelda could be called The Legend of Zelda Zero Dawn, since they're like going back to basics on that one. Um, the way that this game's nature really feels alive is uh, something special for me. And that I don't feel like I've gotten from really any other game. And then, um, even though you do have the imbalance of power within the combat, it's still a lot of fun, and there is a, still a lot of diversity there with what Dom was talking about, where you can be tying guys down, or you can be knocking parts off. You've got your bow for um, like hunting and more uh, precise killing, and then you've got stuff like the slingshot with bombs, and um, yeah, of course, like tying guys up and putting out zip lines for them to run into. Um, the story, I think, is actually I'm not as fond of as Dom was. I feel like, um, so, true spoilers for Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, basically, what ends up happening is the humans um, put together this Project Zero Dawn, which is where um, they were basically making these war machines, which is what the uh, robot animals and dinosaurs were, and they caught a virus that infected the minds of all the different robots and turned them against the humans. And they figured out that, yeah, we're basically not going to be able to stop this shit. It's spreading way too fucking fast for us to fuck with it. So uh, we just got to do what we can to kind of prepare for that. And so it turns out that Elizabeth Sobeck, or Elizabeth, I think is her name, uh, Sobeck, which is the genetic, uh, well, Aloy is a genetic clone of hers, um, basically set it up for all this, for life to be able to spring anew once, like, the uh, the apocalypse happened, basically. And so that's why Aloy can access all these underground vaults and has access to the, um, uh, the uh, what's it called? Your earpiece, Dom. It's like the, the little piece of hardware. Jarvis. The focus, yes. The, <laughs> the Jarvis, yeah. Um, um, Tony Stark's butler. Um, but uh, yeah, you. that's why you're able to activate the focus and use the operating system. And um, a lot of people that enjoy... I've actually heard the story be pretty divisive. People either love it or, or just aren't really into it that much at all. I'm... I'm actually kind of in the middle. I think it was a solid story, but I definitely didn't didn't blow me away. Um, where I just think that the people that really enjoyed it were kind of surprised toward the end of how she was connected to Elizabeth and being her clone, and that's why she can access all these things. And I just feel like they, to me, were very obvious about the hints from that part, uh, even from the start. And so I thought, you know, clearly that's the direction the game's going in. And all the stuff that happened in between didn't necessarily sway me from that, so I wasn't really surprised towards the end. And the way that everything went down with the apocalypse and the end of the world uh, was kind of the same deal. It didn't really uh, throw me off at any point. So I still really like the world. still really think it's cool. I don't think you see this every day where it's like post-post-apocalypse. Um, and so I think this, these tribes and stuff that have been built up since the end of the world are really cool and interesting. 
and uh, can't fucking wait to see more from this game. Obviously, we got the Frozen Wilds DLC, but I'm really interested to see what Gorilla does with um, a sequel to this game, because in my opinion, it is a masterpiece. So, shout out to Horizon Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's time for my list. Uh, so, I'm not going to have Horizon Zero Dawn on my list. Spoiler. I don't own a PS4. Spoiler alert. Um, he thinks we're all fucking robots, Dom. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go through my honorable mentions real quick. Uh, some of these games, I'll start off with the games that I haven't finished yet, but I think, like Jordan said, might have been in my top five if I would if I have gone around to finishing them. Hollow Knight, which I said I'm waiting for a Switch. Um, SteamWorld Dig 2, which I haven't finished yet, but I really loved. Um, and Wolfenstein 2, which I'm currently playing through um, and absolutely having a blast. Um, the other games on my list that aren't necessarily in my top five that I want to give a shout out to are Outlast 2 and Little Nightmares. Never thought I'd have three horror games on my top ten, and those are two of them. Loved Little Light, uh, Nightmares, one of my favorite 2D platformers. Right behind like Limbo and Inside, it's right there. I loved what they did with it, loved the art style. Uh, a Slime Rancher, really fun indie game where you collect these little slimes and you uh, basically farm them to your will. Um, more more sadistic and, and dark than you would think on the outset when you look at the, the art for this game of how you basically it's, just breed these things to your whim. Um, it sounds like that's kind of almost like No Man's Sky without the disappointment in some ways. Yeah, because it's not. I don't think it's trying to be anything more than what it is. It's a right. it's a Harvest Mooney Stardew Valley e kind of more farming game that happens to be in a more alienish world, right? Um, Which with these I was just thinking about how I remember the reveal of No Man's Sky, and ever since the reveal, all the way up until launch and after, I was like, this game is not what people fucking think <laughs> yep. So, yeah, the fact that there are games that are like, no, we, we get what this is, and we're gonna do it right, you know? Yep, didn't reach outside of its bounds. Um, the last one that yeah. barely didn't crack my top five was Assassin's Creed Origins. I talked about previously how much I love this game in the ending. Um, I didn't love it for being the most Assassin's Creed game I've ever played. For me, Assassin's Creed 2 still holds that place in my heart. Um, but I do yeah. love this game for what it is. It was an open world game that I wanted to get lost into. Um, kind of like what I wanted to do with Breath of the Wild, but it didn't end up happening. And for me, Assassin's Creed Origins just nailed it over and over again. Um, there's some dips and stuff in the story, but I do like a lot of the characters they introduced. Aya and Bayek are fantastic. They're two of my favorite assassins in all of the Assassin's Creed series um, out of all the games I've played. Um, and yeah, I love the way they tie in history in Assassin's Creed games. I think that's one of the most interesting parts about Assassin's Creed that makes it um, so unique and in, a, in and of itself. Um, as far as my top five, uh, number five, Injustice 2. Never thought I'd have a fighting game in my top five. Um, this coming year, I might have Dragon Ball uh, Fighters if it lives up to expectations. But Injustice 2, man, what a fantastic story for a fighting game and for a game that even if it wasn't a fighting game would be a fantastic story. Um, I'm not a DC guy. I'm more of a, if I had to choose, which, I, you know, this stuff's dumb, but, like, if you were, you know, had a, a knife to my neck and you said choose one, I would choose Marvel. I, I lean more that way. But I do like DC characters, and the story in Injustice 2 is great. Um, I love the choice at the end that you have to make between Superman and Batman. I love a lot of the fights. I love where they give you options of who you want to use. Um, unlike a lot of fighting games to me, I've tried Street Fighter 2. I've tried plenty of... of classic fighting games this one made me feel as if i was progressing as a better player uh which i absolutely mm. love because in a lot of fighting games i've always felt as if i'm not good enough and i'm not i'm not great at fighting games i'm skillful video games fighting games just never clicked for me um but this game makes it click because i love using superheroes and it made me want to learn how to do moves because they were so cool and interesting um the multiverse adds legs to a game that for a, for a fighting game where i'm not an expert at or i'm not very good i'm not trying to 
uh, you know, climb the ladders. Having the multiverse and the story mode really helped me justify my purchase price. I didn't have any complaints. I'm not, I'm not going to be going online and playing people. It's too embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Injustice 2 at number 5. Really love that game a lot. Um, number 4, Resident Evil 7. Uh, this is a game that I had a lot of fun with. I'm not Said a Resident Evil. You Sorry. fucking said resin, Jared. My Speaking God, too fast. did we not just uh, talk about this? <laughs> Resident Evil oh, Seven. Um, I'm not a Resident Evil guy. I've I've actually tried playing the HD remake of the first one, and I don't I don't think it's a very good game. I don't think it holds up. Sorry, Huber. Hmm. Um, I, I just don't. I think the fixed camera stuff oh. is once again going back to that word obtuse. I don't think it works well in today's current climate of video games. Um, yeah, I just. Yeah, I don't think it holds up. Is I think it's a product of its time, but Resident Evil Seven, taking it first person, um, I think Dud uh, Dud uh, did the the game and the franchise wonders. It got me interested in it. Um, let's not forget the kitchen demo reveal. We had this demo, the kitchen demo that people so were playing, cool. and we didn't know what it was. And then we got the reveal at E three that it was Resident Evil Seven, which was super cool. Um, I think the Baker family is very interesting. I think Zoe's very interesting. Um, a lot of the DLC has been really cool. Um, spoilers: the end, the end part where you get introduced to Chris Redfield working for this new company that's under Umbrella, but they're not called Umbrella. It, it's very, very weird, and and I love the way it ties it into the normal universe. Um, if Resident Evil continues to go into first person for the next couple of games, I'm excited to see where it goes. Unlike a lot of people, I think the third of the game is just as good as the the first two parts. Um, I love this game so much. Um, number three, sorry, were you gonna say something? I was gonna ask real quick. I know I'm the tangent guy on this show, unfortunately, <laughs> no but we've got some video game franchises that are really pushing it as far as numbers. And of course, everybody thought that this was gonna be Resident Evil's time to, you know, get away from that and just go with the subtitles, which a lot of franchises have decided to go with. Um, with it being seven, you know, there's, you know, Final Fantasy, that's my biggest thing, is Final Fantasy is pushing towards 20. Yeah. Are we going to get there where it's like, okay, we just can't keep numbering these motherfuckers because it's going to be goofy as hell when it's like, Final Fantasy 2022, you know? I just yeah. Well, I think the good thing with... Think. The good thing with Resident Evil is that the spinoffs aren't under the same umbrella, right? It's like Resident Evil Revelations umbrella. or Resident Evil Code Veronica. Whereas with Final Fantasy, if it's an MMO, if it's this, if it's that, it's always, like, numbered, it seems like. And obviously there's exceptions yeah. to this. But, like, a majority sure. of their games are in the number progression, even though they're vastly different in terms of gameplay and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I think because that's so hardcore, I think they'll be fine with numbering it. I could see Resident Evil, Resident Evil, now you have me self-conscious <laughs> about that, uh, pushing the reset button and maybe going back eventually, but not anytime soon. I think they'll hit, like, 12 and then maybe, like, let's... Let's spin the tires back on this one. Um, yeah. Number three, though, for me is PUBG. Um, I didn't play this on PC. I played this on Xbox. It came out December 12th. Um, it's seen a lot of uh, updates since that point. I think five updates total, so it's almost about one a week, which is really good for a game like this, um, where it constantly needs to be developed on, reiterated, and fixed because it has issues. For all of the issues and all of the complaints and everything wrong with the game, by no means would I ever say this is a perfect game. This is the most fun I had with a video game in 2017. Hands down. Period. Mm. Um, the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, um, not knowing if you're going to live or die, not knowing um, if your plan that you have is going to work. The problem, I think, with this game on the, out on the outside looking in is people see this game as a shooter. Um, I don't see it as that. I think this is a survival game that has guns. 
Um, and the reason I say that is because okay. me and my squad, because uh, I mostly play squad games. I mostly play four-player squad. I don't really play um, solos that often, though I do sometimes. Um, I think a lot of this game and being successful at it is knowing how to survive properly and not necessarily being the best at shooting the gun. Um, yeah. Uh, my my group, I'm 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 pretty good at first person, third person shooters. I'm gonna pat my own back on that one. Um, but I have a couple of friends who it's not their their forte, right? They're not the best shooters, but we constantly finish in the top five teams because we're pretty good at strategizing and figuring out where we move on the map and what we do and what's a good place to hold up, what's a good place to loot, does this place look looted or not. Um, okay, we're in this car that doesn't have a hood on it, we're kind of susceptible to gunfire, let's drive until we find a car with a hood over the top so that way we're less prone to being shot out of it. Like, we're very smart strategy-wise. I'm not gonna give up, I'm a survivor, keep on surviving. Yeah, um, and I, I, I really love this game. Like I said, the moment-to-moment gameplay is top notch. Um, I really hope that this next year is where they refine everything. They make changes to making sure people don't get kicked, which is kind of settled down now. I think the biggest thing is um, texture, textures loading in and just the world loading in quicker. I think that's the biggest area of concern right now because when you first drop in, you have to wait a couple of seconds for the houses to actually load in. Um, and it, you know, it's hard. People people think this is an easy thing to do, but you have a hundred different people when you're playing solos, anyways loading up the same map at the same time and it has to load in real time of everything all the items being picked up all the items being dropped um cars being driven there's a lot going on there right especially for a team people forget blue hole isn't this is their first game and now this is their first console game right so i kind of give them the benefit of the doubt um and i like that they're showing people that, are people are used to you know battlefield and exactly stuff with the bigger teams who have been doing this and they have the system set up in place and yeah this is a whole it, new yeah, and it, that's an excuse, right? But like I said before, they're up updating almost every week, so it's like, yeah, they have the excuse of not being uh, accustomed to this, but they're showing progress and like, no, we're constantly communicating with you, we're fixing it, we're fixing, it, we're fixing it, and that's going to go a long way. Um, you know, there's a uh, Fortnite Battle Royale is right on its tails, and people talk about like, why is it so successful? Well, it helps that it's free, right? Um, and also. Also, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of issues of people who bought Fortnite for what the base game was that are having issues with them not really supporting that side of the game anymore. People that are into Paragon or other Epic games that are seeing that uh, support of those games is going away because they're focused so much on this. Also, how is Epic making any money on Fortnite? Like, there's a lot of issues there. Whereas with PUBG and uh, PUBG Corp, it's their only game. They're focusing on it entirely. Um, I, I think it's, uh, them being at a, at a $30 price point gives them revenue off the get-go, right, of people purchasing it. So they're not as prone to having to figure out how to uh, put microtransactions in this game and loot boxes and all that stuff. And eventually those things will come because they always do. But it's not as a backbreaker because they're getting 30 bucks for every purchase, right? Um, anyways, I'm loving PUBG. Great game. Can't wait to see the new map this year, the desert map and everything. And uh, I can't wait to see... On December of this year, December 12th, I can't wait to see the drastic improvement from what the game was um, when it first came out. Um, number two on my list, Cuphead. This was neck and neck with Super Mario Odyssey, which, spoilers, is my number one game. This was neck and neck. I, I had a hard time deciding which one of these games was going to be my number one. But as I sat there, I kept thinking about what exactly I loved about each game. And... I could not stop thinking about Super Mario Odyssey more than I could not stop thinking about Cuphead. Um, Cuphead, I don't want to get into too much because it's kind of all been said before. The art style is amazing. The gameplay is great. 
Um, you know, we have our differences in terms of if you think it leads you in the right direction or not, Jordan. I think that's that's up to each individual gamer. But what I can say is uh, a definitive part about this game that I think is that you get better as you play this game. Um, and I think that that's great because you start off this game and you feel like it's hammering home that it's just going to defeat you and beat you into the ground. But as you get through the game, you start noticing that you've just naturally gotten better at the game. And it's one of those things that when you go back to the earlier levels, you're like, I was having trouble with this. You know what I mean? And you just, it's way easier. I think the natural progression of you getting better at the game because they raise the difficulty is great. Um, one of my biggest uh, areas of argument for people is one of the biggest uh, gripes people have with this game is that towards the end when you fight King Dice, they say that that boss fight doesn't make sense and it's hard and difficult and um, it just slows the pace down of the game. And for me personally, I think that they just didn't understand what the game was doing. Uh, it's not that hard of a concept to understand, and I think maybe people got lost in it. For some, pe for some people, they think that the dice roll is random. Like when you pop up and you hit it with Cuphead, it's random. It's not. It's simply a timing puzzle. You simply time it. You know, you cadence it one, two, three, jump, and you can hit the number, specifically the number you want. I had no issues with it whatsoever um, for me. And I think there's a big enough gap there, uh, room for error, that you don't have to be super precise, like pixel perfect. Um, I think the boss fight at the end is very good. I think the little, the hidden um, objectives that you can do in the game uh, are really great. So the running gun levels, if you get through those without killing a single enemy, you unlock, that's, you know, it's a pacifist run, you unlock um, black and white mode for the game. So you can play through the entire game in black and white. Um, and there's also another way to change it into like a, more of a CRT mode. Um, and there's a lot of like little hidden things in the game. Um, there's like a well that shows you how many times you died. There's individual levels that you can miss entirely that teach you how to get better at parrying, which is a huge part of the game. Um, Tell me about this CRT mode I hadn't heard of. Yeah, it's like it's like it basically changes it to look at you're playing on a CRT, and somebody actually went and took Cuphead, unlocked that mode, and then went and played on an actual CRT, and it looked like phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I'm not oh, too so familiar. So like with colors it, bleeding out a little bit or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a funny thing too, a funny side story, if a little tangent, if I may. Um, people were we don't of, allow those here, Jared. <laughs> people were kind of mad because a lot of the colors vary on Cuphead with his gloves and his shoes and his body throughout the game in different scenes and stuff. And people are like, why? Why is that inconsistent? I don't understand. This isn't right. And Studio MDHR, the Moldenhowers, posted pictures of when uh, Steamboat Willie and the, the original Mickey Mouse was made. There was inconsistencies in the color of him too. So it was actually, it was actually to the T of what they were trying to do. They were trying to make mm. it authentic. Um, and they posted pictures of showing like, no, this is what the anime, the old school animators used to do with Mickey Mouse as well, where there would be the slight variations in the deep. colors and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this. It's a great first game for Studio MDHR. I don't know if they'll tackle this type again, uh, tackle this type of game again. Specifically, the way they made this game it seemed like it was a pain. Uh, a lot of labor went into this, um, but it was very successful. Uh, Microsoft has their back, and I'm I'm glad to see a studio come out with their first game like this and do tremendously well because they tried something that was difficult and people said couldn't be done and was not worth it, and you know it was a success and it's a great game. Um. Number one, Super Mario, yeah, <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey. Um, Jordan already talked on this quite a bit, so I don't want to go too long. But I love this game. For me, it's my favorite 3D platforming Mario. Um, I love Super Mario 64. I don't think it holds up as much as I like to think it does. Um, and this game did everything I wanted for a modern-day version of Super Mario 64. 
Uh, the levels, I think, were big enough to let you explore, but not too big to let, make you get bored or feel as if there's nothing there, kind of like a lot of my gripes, so obviously with Breath of the Wild. Um, I just think there are perfect little chunks. Um, I do agree with you, Jordan. For other people, there can be an argument made that there are way too many moons. But in the same sense, like you said, I think that's to alleviate the stress of having... It's weird. For some people, it can create more stress of having to collect all the moons. But for some people, it's like, oh, these moons... Like, they don't want you to stress about having to get moons, right? They kind of want you to yeah. get them at your own whim so you're naturally progressing through the game. And I think that's I great. didn't feel the pressure. Exactly. Um, some notes I want to make real quick. Um, the darker side of the moon was... Uh, the darker side of the moon gauntlet, which is the gauntlet you can do at the end of the game that's optional... Um, was the most satisfying thing to me all year. Uh, finally, finally accomplishing that um, was great. I, I don't think it was as difficult as people said as well. And I'm not trying to be like, game journalists aren't good at video games. But I think this one is a little bit overblown. I think it was all about learning. And I think a lot of this learning comes from my experience with Dark Souls and Mega Man and like kind of hard harder games, quote-unquote, where this was all about... Um, getting to the next point of the gauntlet, figuring out what you need to do, maybe stumbling on it, and then perfecting that and moving on. So you're kind of building on itself, right? Which I really enjoy. Um, because you're slowly uncovering what you have to do next and getting better at that, where it just kind of becomes muscle memory. Um, whereas I think people are trying to rush through it all at once, where I was just kind of taking it in bite-sized steps, trying to figure out what I do need to do next in this section. Um, I'll give you some, some, some gripes I have with the game. Uh, these are kind of comedic, but not really. Ooh, so, hot take. One... I don't like that there's no rideable Yoshi. Obviously, you, ha you have to possess him because it's part of the game mechanics at the end of the game. I just... The, riding Yoshi in a Mario game is one of the best feelings in the world. Uh, I just love hopping on Yoshi's back with Mario. I'm kind of upset you can't do You're that just again. pissed off you didn't get to punch him in the back of the head, huh? Exactly. Punch him and make him spit out his tongue. Um, I do like how they implemented it. Like, being able to control him and having the classic Yoshi jump is great with the Yoshi sound effect. Um, and the individual... Yeah, exactly. The individual puzzles for him, too, with his specific mechanics. Um, I'm really upset there was no DK cameo, Donkey Kong cameo in this game. Um, with all of the uh, nods to Donkey Kong in uh, New Donk City, New Donk I City. assumed yeah, there would the be fuck? some kind of... Obviously, you get old DK, uh, Cranky Kong, uh, technically, uh, in the, yeah. the uh, homage in New Donk City, but I would love to see like an actual DK cameo. Um, also, because like as much as people want to say they think Retro's working on a new IP and stuff, which I think is plausible, I still strongly think that Retro's doing something new with the DK Country series. Like, I think they're doing what Odyssey did to Mario and Zelda, Breath of the Wild did to Zelda. I think Retro's doing that with Donkey Kong Country and trying to make it new and fresh. Um, so I would love to see a, a DK cameo at some point. But we are getting it in um, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle in the DLC, so that's cool. Um, some DK love. And obviously the port of uh, Tropical Freeze. Next up, uh, you alluded to this too, Jordan. I hope that there's playable Luigi DLC or like Peach DLC where you can play as different yeah. characters because I think the physics in that game are really well done. And I would love to be able Super to Super Luigi them. Odyssey. Exactly. I would love to use Luigi, and that's kind of the bummer with that DLC is because I'm like not really interested in the whole balloon chase thing. But being able to see him in the game to some extent means that we are closer to that inevitability, hopefully. Um, yeah. Another thing I want to shout out, a lot of people have issues with the story of the game being... Princess Peach is getting married to this guy she doesn't want to get married to, and Mario has to save her, and, you know, they're just playing on the classic tropes, and where's our strong women, and all that, and there's an argument for that, I'm not saying there's not, but I think they do a good job of subverting expectations at the end of the game, when you save her, and you're like, hey, baby, I'm Mario, I saved you, you know, and she's like, 
yeah, I don't want either of you guys. I'm just going to, like, go and travel. <laughs> if that's cool, bye. Also, Pauline's in charge of a fucking city, so exactly. pipe down on the weak women shit. I, th- I think it's just, like, having Peach be the victim again and, like, having to be saved. But that's, like, classic Mario. I don't think – I think people are trying to read too much into it, right? I don't see I don't see it as that deep. It's just, like, a video – it's a simple video game. It's a Nintendo video game. But I do love, like I said, subverting the expectations at the end where you expect her to come up and hug Mario and maybe give him a kiss on the forehead. And she's like, nah. oh, Mario. She's like, nah, I'm good. And, like, Bowser's upset, and, like, Mario pats him on the back. He's like, yeah, man, it. I guess we're done. And then she almost leaves Tough him on shit. the moon, which people don't realize. Like, she starts taking off in the ship in the Odyssey, and, like, he has to, like, jump up and get to her. I think that's really funny. Um, also, shout-out to Dry Bones. There would be enough shout-outs to Dry Bones. And I do think that they set up the game in a way that they can easily expand on it, though there's no season pass. I think having the individual worlds allows them to add new and creative things like maybe it's not you can't play through with luigi through the whole game but maybe they add uh some luigi dlc that is a couple of new levels solely for luigi to play through and take advantage of some mechanics he could do i think that'd be really cool um yeah i I just love super mario odyssey everything about it it was everything i expected and more and i'm (laughs) even though i've collected all the moons I hate to say this, but I'm currently contemplating just starting a new save and playing over through the game again. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I love this game. Okay, yeah. that's fine, but Dom, we have to give him shit from now on when he's like, yeah, I just haven't had time to get all of these games I've really yeah. been wanting to play. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, you played through 999 extra fucking moons. Exactly. I don't, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to restart it. I love this game too, man. It 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 was it was in my top ten. It didn't crack crack the top five for me. Um, but I mean, like more than anything, like puzzle and game design in this game is like that's just like league leading. Like like where I was talking about yeah. Wolfenstein being the gold standard for uh, shooters. This is the gold standard for like puzzle and game design. I think. Um, my my only like real problem with it was I. And it's not really a problem. It's just a. More of a personal taste. I just wished it was way more difficult, um, specifically the platforming. Um, I just I kept on thinking back to like Mario sixty four and like I would actually have to like go back and get more stars to be able to proceed and have to go through these difficult ass platforming sections and these levels. Yeah, and but that's what I wanted more out of it, and it just it, it was still good for me at the time because I played it all on an airplane, um, so it was nice and easy. But I I had wanted more challenge out of the platforming myself, I guess. Yeah, but then there gets the whole argument of like, was Mario Kart, uh, Mario Kart, was Mario Super Mario 64 difficult because they intentionally designed it that way, or is it because it was their first foray into 3D platforming, and also that yeah, the camera sucks, the controls, and yeah, I was younger, playing on a literal yeah. claw, exactly, um, right, and uh, I think the other thing uh, with this game is like. I just love the nods to old Mario stuff, like just the Mario universe. Like, I love seeing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love seeing Captain Toad. Like, I'm like, where's that port? I want to play Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, and you have him littered throughout this game. Um, but you've got Pokemon DX. God, which surprisingly was one of the top ten selling. I guess not surprising. It was like number four on Wii U games, but like, what well, new games are coming out, right? Um, I, I, I yeah. started that sentence with, you know, what's surprising. I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, our group game of the year, uh, the way we do it is we kind of get our top ten list together and then uh, mathematically I do the point system and figure out what got the most points. So we're going to work down from three to one real quick and then we'll be closing out the show. Number three, Resident Evil 7. Uh, it was pretty even on, I, on most of our list. Did you hear what he said, Dom? I have no idea. If Resident Evil 7. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
That's clear. Um, yeah. Um, this one is actually surprising um, because it was it wasn't super high on any of our lists, but it it made it it made it in the middle of most of our lists. So um, consistency there between all of us of thinking it was it was worthy of the top ten and it was a really solid game. Um, yeah. Number two, Horizon Zero Dawn. This probably would have been our number one game if I had a chance to play it. Um, not that it would have been yeah. number one on my list, but I doubt it wouldn't have been in my top ten. You know what I mean? Just by that account, it would have had uh, the most points and been number one. Um, this is a game that if I had the ability to play it, I would have easily bought it and played it. It's just circumstance. I don't have a PS4. It checks all of the Jared boxes. You know what I mean? Sci-fi yeah. adventure, strong female protagonist, dinosaurs exclamation redheads i'm not a redhead guy but (laughs) you know i took a i took a shot in the dark i didn't know no no no, i'm not a redhead guy not an (laughs) anti-redhead guy i'm just like you know uh (laughs) no stance there um and number one super mario odyssey uh this was number two on jordan's list number one on mine it was also on dom's list like he said um phenomenal game super great um this it's funny because our do you guys remember what our game of the year last year was for 2016, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3. So we went from Dark Souls 3 to Super Mario Odyssey, like polar opposites, which is really cool. Um, similar tones in those games, similar vibes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I like that because it shows that we don't really have a bias towards any format of game or anything like that. We kind of just, we love games in general and we kind of figure out what that is. And, games you know, are cool. Exactly. Um, that's it for our Game of the Year show. Let's talk about what we're going to be playing next week. Um, real quick, I was like, uh, as we were talking about stuff, I was browsing my desk and I realized there was something I forgot to mention. Toys R Us is going out of business or filing for bankruptcy or something. Um, they were yeah. having a crazy sale where they were selling the Disney Xfinity figures for two bucks a piece, free shipping. Jesus Christ. So I picked up a Darth Vader and I picked nice. up a Venom. Because um, why not? Um, nice. I, I already had the Hulk and Captain America. And I'm not, like, super into, like, collecting Amiibo or figurines or stuff like that, but I like to have, like, at least a thing that pays homage to something I like. Um, yeah. And I hadn't had... I noticed that I didn't have anything Star Wars on my, like, little area of stuff I like. So I was like, I need to get something Star Wars. And I like Kylo Ren, but I was like, I can't pick Kylo Ren over Darth Vader. Like, what kind of choice yeah. is that? You know what I mean? Um, He's a broke-ass Darth Vader. I like his character a lot, uh, but I do agree with you, yeah, for mo- most intense purposes. He's, he's a poor man's Darth Vader, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, yeah, and then Venom, of course, I don't really need to explain that. Venom's cool. Um, and then also I played Lego Worlds a little bit, which is people say it's it's Minecraft but with actual Legos. It's completely different than that. Um, I was just free building and doing some stuff in there, having a blast. But as far as what we're going to be playing, going to be playing through Wolfenstein 2 Dom, trying to get to Nalens and then to Roswell and finishing up that game. Um, we're be, we're going to be recording before the 26th next week. I'm sitting there, guys, and I'm going to be pulling the trigger, but I don't know for what yet. I'm either getting Dragon Ball Fighters or Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter And the more World. I'm seeing these weekly hunts from the allies, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, like, boy. This game looks great. And it looks like a great I mean, I think for people who are new to the series, which is big for me, you know? We've talked about it, but this might persuade you. For me, the reason I'm not doing Dragon Ball is because... Same reason I didn't hit uh, Injustice 2 when it came out. It's like, I love DC, I love Dragon Ball, but I just don't like fighting games that much, and so I'm going to need to wait until it comes down in price. I love what it looks to be like the game type in uh, Monster Hunter World, you know. 
Yeah, it just looks like a good way to jump into that franchise. And it's funny because when Monster yeah. Hunter was originally revealed to the West, or at least when I first saw it way back in the day, excuse me, in gaming magazines, I was like, there's a there's a game where you just go around the world collecting these, like, killing these monsters and collecting the pieces of them. And it just sounds like a, a Jared game through and through. But it, it seemed like a little bit more obtuse. It wasn't really on a – I never really had the console or platform it was on when there was a good version of it, and then, like, a lot of the 3DS stuff didn't look enough of a game for me to jump in. Um, mm. That, so, uh, initially seeing Monster Hunter as a kid and City of Heroes were, like, the two biggest things were, like, those are the things I wanted to play more than anything as a kid. I don't know if you guys remember That was the, the old DC MMO? No, it wasn't DC. It was just, you log into this game, you make your superhero with his superpowers, and you play. And then they had the expansion City of Villains. Never got around yeah. to playing it because I never had a strong PC or anything like that. But those are like the two things. Like, man, if I could go back in time and play something as a kid, those are the two things I really wanted to play. Which is weird because I don't think City of Heroes was a very good game at all. Um, but it just caught my eye because I'm a superhero lover. Um, that being said, I don't know if there's anything on like the TV and movie front that comes out this week that I can think about. There's a trailer for a movie called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Have you guys seen the previous to this movie? I haven't heard it. It has skinny Jonah Hill with a beard and long hair, and he takes care of this guy who's in a wheelchair who's a recovering alcoholic. Um, It has a lot of cameos from a lot of different people, which looks interesting. Um, Also, another preview I saw for a movie, Dom, do you remember the whole thing that happened with Penn State? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Old uh, Sandusky touching kids. Yeah, um, Robert De Niro is going to be I playing Joe Paterno in the Paterno movie that's coming to HBO this summer. Oh, God. Which that is makes crazy, some fucking like, sense right there. Yeah, it's a good actor for that. And I'm like, looks oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to... That same thing is going on at Michigan State right now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, God damn. I'm man. probably going to either hop into Punisher or, or something like that. I'm trying to find a new series to get into. Um, okay, since you brought it up, I've been watching back into Punisher because I had just seen the first episode for a while. That show is under-fucking-rated. It is really good, and especially the way it deals with PTSD is on another fucking level. Like, That's stuff great. that I was not expecting at all, and I'm really happy with the way they've handled it. And then just the modern storyline that it's doing as well is is actually more interesting than I expected. So I don't think John Berthal out. gets enough credit as as good of an actor as he is. Man, that guy is great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for me. What about you guys? I'm gonna play Kingdom Hearts because it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is pretty darn. I have, cool I have a question about Kingdom Hearts real quick. So I play Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2. In any of the spin-offs, the 3.82856532ones. Um, <laughs> it's pretty close, actually. Yeah. Um, do they do the ship thing that was in Kingdom Hearts 1? Like, you know, like the weird... The gummy like, ship. ship? Yeah. So, like, in Birth by Sleep, um, what happens is it's really fucking cool. Their keyblades turn into not only suits of armor, but also um, these, like, hover... Um, bikes kind of type deal and um it's kind of like what you're doing on the gummy ship where you're going through space and like shooting down enemies and stuff um so i would say that they have it around it kind of like sticks around in the series but i definitely think the gummy ship has gone down in importance throughout the games as far as uh year of release i like i like that part of kingdom hearts i didn't think it was necessarily great like it wasn't i don't think it was necessarily well designed but it was interesting to me as a kid playing through kingdom hearts i was like oh it's super cool 
it was it was a little clunky, but I could get where they were going with it. I do yeah. think like the way that uh, the design of their hover bike and their armor reflects the design of their keyblade in Birth by Sleep is really cool. So there's you know it's not all just dumb. It's there's some cool stuff to that system. Yeah, sorry, Dom. Besides Kingdom Hearts, what else are you gonna be playing or watching? Or I mean, that's uh, I'll get back to Battlefront probably, but yeah, are we uh, ready to not, cheer on the Jaguars? Much, but... Oh man. <laughs> That's, I'm just kidding. Mm. Yowch. <laughs> Blake Bortles. I would cheer for Blake Bortles any day over Tom Brady. 100%. Tom Brady looks like the type of guy who, like, I'm, never, I'm not going to get into it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that diddles kids like Jerry Sandusky? Is that what you're about to no, say? No, no, not not that dark. <laughs> I was going to be like, I think, I was like, gonna say. Tom Brady's the type of dude who, like, doesn't tip his waitress. Like, I don't know. He just seems like a jerk, dude. I don't like Tom Brady. I mean, really? Yeah, he's and that's perception. I got different so vibes. That's perception. I think you have the right to say that. All the all the stories I've heard about him, especially with the whole thing with I don't know if you've kept up, Dom, with the whole Bill Belichick thing and how there's like a big issue there between the three of them. Uh, it's very interesting. yeah. I have doubts about the reporting and the 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 level of I don't know how serious that truly is. I don't think that's actually okay. A, Dom's thirsty for Tom deal. Brady. We got it. We got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I despise the guy. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have I don't have a problem with the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick's a great coach. I just don't like Tom Brady. Um, Jordan, what are you going to be playing? Uh, so definitely more Neo, which will eventually lead into uh, Monster Hunter World. I think those are similar enough games, and probably the same deal with uh, Setsuna and Lost Sphere. Um, and then I want to finish up that Destiny. Uh, campaign trying to kind of go back and get to some games that i didn't uh like i mentioned earlier in the show didn't get to give a fair shake to in 2017 with finishing up lost legacy and now destiny and neo so um probably just stuff like that because we're not quite it's more the end of the month and then into february when the game stuff that i'm interested in is coming out um and then uh the path just came back uh which is a show on hulu starring aaron paul and uh, it's about him being in this cult and then um, kind of becoming disillusioned with it and leaving. Um, and Michelle Monaghan plays his wife who like stays in the cult because her family basically started it and she's very you know intricately involved with it. So um, pretty interesting series uh, that just started back for season three. Um, so I'll be hitting up that premiere pretty soon and then... Uh, Oh, there's something else. Oh, yeah, American Crime Story also just came back. It's about the assassination of Gianni Versace um, this time around. So really enjoyed the first season about uh, People versus O.J. Simpson. And so looking forward to this. FX, man, kills it with them dramas and comedies, too. Um, Are they saying who did the People versus O.J.? Yes, I said that about four seconds ago. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened a couple weeks ago. It's just so fun. It just nail you on that one. I'm sorry, Jared, but yeah, that's fine. Just stick to the heart. Kill me. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah just <laughs> kick him while he's down. Man, so yeah, so that's, that's about it. <laughs> well, all right. Just saying the, the the assassination of uh, Versace. I didn't hear you say the people versus OJ. It's completely my fault. 
Yeah, I was like, uh, this is the same show that I, re- I really liked season one that was about the people versus O.J. Simpson. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. That's where I missed it, That's yeah. Cool. Also, okay. shout out to the government shutting down. Uh, <laughs> on side story. Also, Dom, go fuck yourself, since we're uh, in Jesus. the negative pool here at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for listening to episode 84, uh, our Game of the Year podcast. Next week, we should have a guest on going to be seeing what news happens. Apparently, I don't know if you guys saw this, there's a rumor that something uh, with Microsoft is happening next week. Apparently, they're making an announcement related to their digital games and how they're treated, which is very interesting. Um, I don't know if this is tied they're into the whole... basically n- turning all their digital games into uh, cardboard tabletop experiences. So, Well, the loose... Yeah, that's Microsoft the- Super Lab. The loose rumors that people are running away with are that you can trade in your digital games, which is insane to me. Um, some people think it has something to do with the licensing of digital games, like if you can share it with somebody for a certain amount of time, which would be interesting. Um, that's more plausible to me than trading back in your digital games. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, but anyways, we'll catch you guys next week, and we'll see you guys uh, next time. Bye. <laughs>